Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Thursday, November 30th, 527 a.m. Central Time. Mixed trade in grain markets this morning. Pretty quiet. Uh, Mackenzie, we hit 12,000 subscribers on YouTube yesterday. Yes. Uh, big achievement. Um, I will ask you guys, I used to ask people all the time to like hit the subscribe button and hit the like button, and, and they've done that. But YouTube tells me this. Um, over the last month, we have had 25,000 unique viewers but we only have 12,000 subscribers. So guys, if you watch on a daily basis and you are not subscribed, hit the subscribe button, uh, turn on the notifications. I used to ask you guys to do this every day. I don't anymore, but uh, just wanted to make you aware of that. All right, let's get to uh, China, Corn, Vilsack. Uh, what did he say yesterday? So uh, Tom Vilsack is pushing for export market diversification. According to our U.S. Ag Secretary, China has capitalized on lower Brazilian corn prices this year, resulting in U.S. corn exports to China being down 20%. Vilsack believes exporters need to reduce their reliance on single markets such as China. To promote diversification, the USDA will begin accepting applications for the new Regional Agricultural Promotion Program. The program will provide a total of $1.2 billion over five years to help expand current markets and open the door to new markets. Vilsack, however, believes that Chinese purchases of U.S. corn will rise over time. Okay, uh, Vilsack, to my knowledge, is not a market person. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but NAS, USDA, they do a live stream after every USDA report, and uh, nobody watches them. They get like 500 views or like 1,000 views. They're just really, it's like they're like an hour long. I, I don't watch them. But Vilsack was on, on September, in September, uh, and he like kind of let off. I don't think he knows a ton about the markets and it's not his job to know about the markets. You look at USDA's budget, 74% of USDA's budget is nutrition assistance, which is like food stamps, basically 13% of USDA's budget is farm conservation and commodity programs. I think his heart is in the right place here, uh, trying to, you know, I expand and, and promote, uh, us ag exports and diversify, but China's a big deal. And Chinese purchases of us corn are off 71% versus the same period last year. And what's it going to take to get China back into the market? We're going to need to be competitive. There's not any sort of promotional program of $1.2 billion over five years isn't going to bring China back into the U.S. corn market tomorrow. What brings China back into the U.S. corn market? We need to be competitive versus Brazil. And we're actually getting there uh, right now, like as we speak, given this sell-off in the corn market. But uh, you can see that that corn sales to China out of the United States is kind of an anomaly that just kind of began like three years ago. And prior to that, there's 10 years worth of data on this chart, if you guys are watching work on YouTube, and you've only seen material Chinese purchases of US corn for, in four years. And, and prior to that, I mean, you never really saw it. So um, Vilsack thinks that they'll be back to some extent at some point in time. I hope that he's right. Uh, we're getting to the point where we're competitive. I just don't think any of these programs that they're talking about um are, are going to help and i do agree with the idea that we should reduce our reliance on single on on a single buyer like china but uh that's much 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 easier said than done of course
Wheat futures rallied on Wednesday. The March 24 Kansas City contract gained more than 16 cents to post its best close in two weeks. Lesser gains were posted in the SRW and spring wheat markets. Earlier this week, a Russian media outlet reported that the country could ban grain exports if domestic supplies fell to critically low levels. In addition, some chatter regarding additional Chinese demand for U.S. wheat has circulated. Uh, a couple different places I, I've heard that there's some Chinese interest in U.S. wheat. And I, I, if you had to pick one reason, Joe, why did the wheat market rally? Is it the Russia story, which it appeared to be really like fishy to me, as I mentioned <laughs> yesterday, or the possibility of Chinese demand? I would say the possibility of Chinese demand is the much better or more important story. Uh, if China does come in and decide to buy uh, more wheat, they've already bought some SRW wheat. If they bought some HRW wheat or some spring wheat, that could really move the move the needle. You've got a big time fund short. Large speculators are very heavily short the wheat market, and um, a catalyst like some significant Chinese purchases could result in a short covering event. And, and maybe that's me being optimistic. That's uh, best case scenario. But I'm not going to rule it out. We've gone a long time without any sort of material rally in the wheat market. From a technical standpoint, I'd love to see this thing uh, March Kansas City futures trade and, and close above 638 today. That's my little line on my little chart. Maybe that means something. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, no trade wrecks here, guys. So if you guys have not already checked out our premium content, you need to give it a shot. You're not going to find content like this anywhere else. Joe, can you tell me about the video you put together yesterday? Uh, Matt Bennett was on yesterday. Matt's on every other Wednesday, and we talk about grain marketing. Yesterday, one of the questions that we, we tried to tackle was this. So you're a corn and soybean grower, you're in the Midwest, and uh, you're undersold as it relates to these 2023 crops. When you look at your soybean budgets, there's probably still some black ink there with, with soybeans, you know, futures at least in the upper 13s. Corn, not so much the case. So could you make an argument that soybeans should be sold so that you can at least ink some profit somewhere uh, to help offset what could be losses uh, as it relates to your 2023 corn production? We also talked about uh, basis. We talked about the basis contract situation, which has, has now kind of come and gone. Uh, today is first notice day for December futures. We talked about logistics, uh, the river, a whole bunch of stuff with Matt yesterday. Shay was on on Tuesday talking about the, the economics of tile. Um, Chris Barron was on Monday. We talked about basis contracts. Guys, tons of premium content every single business day. Check this deal out. Go to standardgrain.com. Remember, this is the uh, the best way to support what we're doing here. If you guys like the podcast, you love the premium stuff, um, this is the only way that we're able to do what we do here every single day on YouTube and on the podcast is through premium subs. $50 per month. Cancel at any time. No other fee. No other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Sign up this morning. I'll send you over a copy of this morning's email, which includes the six most recent premium videos in addition to a ton of other stuff every single day. By the end of the year, the Treasury Department is expected to publish guidance on the production of sustainable aviation fuel, according to U.S. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. The guidelines are anticipated to make it easier for SAF made from corn-based ethanol to qualify for subsidies. The decision was originally expected in September. However, the Biden administration has been split over this decision, um, over the issue, excuse me. The billions of dollars available through SAF subsidies are viewed as one of the only ways to grow the ethanol industry. Uh, Reuters did a nice job here. When asked if he was confident that ethanol will become an SAF feedstock, Vilsack said he was. So uh, Vilsack uh, spoke somewhere yesterday. I don't know where. I guess it doesn't really matter. But um, he's confident in this. The reason I think that the Biden administration is torn on this is because they don't want to upset 
the environmentalists, even though the environmentalists um, appear to be uninformed on this situation. They don't they don't want expansion in U.S. farmland for the purposes of fuel when it's very clear that we have no room whatsoever to expand uh, U.S. acres of, of corn and soybeans. Acres are are being reduced, if anything, because of urban sprawl and dollar generals or whatever. So I don't know. I think this is going to go the right way. I hope it goes the right way. We need it to go the right way. Uh, we'll see some guidance, hopefully in December. U.S. ethanol production decreased last week. Weekly output of 1.01 million barrels declined 1.2% compared to the prior week and 2.9% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks were pegged at 21.4 million barrels. The print decreased 1.3% on the week and 6.4% compared to the same week last year. Implied gasoline demand fell 3.2% compared to the previous week and 1.5% versus the same week last year last year. On average, over the last four weeks, implied U.S. gasoline demand is up 1.1% versus the same period last year. Ethanol production is where it needs to be and probably a little bit better than that to hit uh, USDA's projection as it relates to corn demand via ethanol. Um, ethanol, The ethanol industry is projected to account for 37% of all demand for U.S. corn this year, so it's always a big deal. That's why we talk about it every week. Um, weekly output's been running not quite 5% above last year's pace. And USDA says that all in all, corn demand uh, via ethanol will be up like 2.5% this year. So uh, we're doing what we need to do. I would have liked to have seen a little bit better print last week, but uh, we, we are exactly where we need to be, if not better, uh, to hit USDA targets. OPEC Plus and its Russian allies are proposing new oil production cuts of up to 1 million barrels per day. News of the cuts sent oil prices higher on Wednesday. WTI crude increased 1.9% to end the day just below $78 per barrel. Brent crude gained 1.5% to close just below $83 per barrel. The organization's decision could come as soon as today during a virtual meeting. The new reductions, however, are facing notable opposition from OPEC members. Back in June, OPEC uh, agreed to reduce production by 3.7 million barrels per day until the end of 2024. I think spot WTI futures are still south of 80 bucks this morning. I mean, following the uh, the Middle East deal when that all got started a month or two ago, we were uh, above 90. So we talked about the, um, I think we had a Bloomberg commodity index chart earlier this week or last week, and the commodity markets as a whole have just been mostly sideways and, you know, higher crude prices for a lot of you guys watching uh, would actually be a good thing. Like higher crude could could result if it drags the whole commodity complex higher. You see a reflation trade uh, that could be positive for corn, for the economy, for the country, for the consumer. Uh, we want crude oil prices low, of course. On Wednesday, the initial 4.9% annual GDP estimate for the third quarter was revised up to an impressive 5.2%. The economy, however, seems to be slowing. Companies are hiring fewer people and higher interest rates are making spending and investing expensive for both consumers and businesses. Fourth quarter GDP is forecast to be much more modest, falling between 1% and 2%. Uh, you look at a GDP chart, and it's really pretty crazy. Like it's another chart that COVID ruined, basically. So you had your COVID panic, and then I called it the money printer recovery. You can call it whatever the hell you want, but why did why did GDP do that out out of COVID? It's because we printed a ton of money and brought rates down to zero. But five point two is good. This article was kind of uh, doomer gloomerish in in regard to 
what could happen in the fourth quarter. I am not a doomer and gloomer. I'm the eternal optimist. I think the U.S. economy is in good shape. What did cattle do yesterday? Uh, cattle futures had another positive day on Wednesday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 63 cents higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of 57 cents higher. Box beef was down on the day. Choice ended the day at 297.03. That was down a buck 14. Select ended the day at 264.09. That was down 226. A little bit quieter yesterday, I guess, yeah, uh, relatively speaking. U.S. dollar is higher this morning. Uh, the S&P is up eight. The Dow's up 160. Bonds are off a little bit. Crude oil is up 83 cents in the January WTI at 78.72. Have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you Friday.